This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Three, two, one, and welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen, and today I'm speaking with Danielle Stensrud. Hi. Hi. How's it going over there or up there in Opdal, Norway? It is going good up here. So how's it going down there? You know, uh, life is good. Um, It's been a quiet, uh, lazy day. My wife worked night shift. The kids were locked in their rooms, uh, gaming and doing God knows what. And I was just kind of chilling. I did a little bit of reading, did a little bit of writing, uh, watched an HBO series, a couple episodes of that, and and just had a relaxed day. Uh, And here we go. I'm starting off my afternoon by talking to you. So my day is good. Wow, it sounds like a dream come true when I hear you speak. You know, you got to hang out and relax. Your kids are a little bit older than mine. I don't have that luxury. My kids are waking up at 6 o'clock, dragging <laughs> me here and there, going skiing, staying active all day. So now, finally, maybe now I can start to unwind and relax a little bit. <laughs> well, now we have those kind of days around here too, but it's just today was kind of slow and easy and, and, and nice. I, I liked it. Okay. I, I love my kids, but it's great when they get out of my face as well. So, <laughs> I understand. I'm here with you. Now, you have the honor, you have the distinction of um, being a coach for the first ever youth basketball program in Opdal. Is that right? That's what I hear. That's what they tell me, that there's never been an organized basketball program here before. Which makes sense because this town, it's a ski town and it's so dominated by skiing and, you know, of course, soccer um, in the summer times. And there's just so many other outside activity things to do. Um, but, yeah, I was approached by a mom who said her son is really into basketball um, and they heard through the grapevine. I'm not really sure how, but uh, <laughs> my name came up about maybe potentially coach and if I was up for it and of course I said yes um I'd love to so yeah that's been a lot of fun until you know now we can't do practice because of corona but how how many kids how it is how many kids are in the program now how big is the team well right now we haven't ever like we haven't made an official team yet it's just more like an open gym type of concept um, just because they like we didn't know even what the interest level would be for kids wanting to play basketball. So the first couple of practices, I was in the U.S. Um, and then when, when they started and then I was in quarantine. But my first practice, there was like 30 some kids there. That's a pretty which, good turnout. And then it ranged from. Yeah, from like 14 up to 18, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a pretty big turnout. We were surprised. And we, we had the whole gym rented out, so we got the full court. But, um, yeah, it's not easy to try to teach so many kids at so many different levels. And they're beginners. They're, you know, there's some that maybe kind of knew before, but um, I would say they're all beginner level and the rules and stuff like that. There's a lot to any sport, you know. There's a lot sure. to any sport to learn and well, you know, I would imagine us, I would imagine so. I would imagine that most Norwegians who are going to uh, practice basketball are new beginners because it's just not you know you you have your semi pro teams you know I know I know that Trumps has has a team Oslo has a couple of teams 
so basketball mm-hmm. is known here, but it's not well known because, you, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, it's dominated by soccer and skiing and handball and and basketball. To them, here is this this exotic, uh, a very American thing that they may. Yeah, dibble dabble in it a little bit, um, but 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 nobody has that big, or not many people have that big interest. Uh, how, how can you go back to how this 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 um, activity with basketball came about? Who was the driving force behind it? Because somebody came to you about it, so you didn't start it, but yeah. somebody wanted you to get involved. Who who are these people? Well, I think, well, the person that reached out to me was just a mom of a 16-year-old. Him and his little group of friends were really into basketball. They are very interested in basketball, and they were, they're were their own little group since no one really does that here. So I played basketball here in Octobal Forge for fun, you know, in the summer times outside, which the courts aren't any good. So maybe I've played just a few times. So I think that mom just spoke with some other um people in Opdal and my name came up. So they sent a message and they thought it'd be great that, but I let her know. I said, you know, I can, I speak Norwegian. That's fine. But I've never tried to speak Norwegian in basketball terms. And I don't think (laughs) I'll be able to coach very well. So I said, I'm going to only speak English. So the kids are doing really well. They're older, you know, 16, maybe 14 is the youngest and up. So they understand me, which is great. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing you bring up, the, the language issue, because uh, I speak fluent Norwegian, but I was approached a couple of years ago about coaching American football here in Drummond. And I went to a couple of their practices mm-hmm. just to kind of feel it out and to, you know, interact with the team and the other coaches a little bit. And I realized right away that there were certain terms that we use back home in America for, for football. Um, that just doesn't, it just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't fit to, to, to take a direct translation into Norwegian. I remember I got real hung up on blocking, go and block that guy block. How do I say block? Uh, You know, and it's just little, little things like that, that fit in day-to-day language, but the sports language is different. Interesting thing that have to, to have to work out. But, you know, when you're an athlete, when you've done a sport your whole life, it is like a second language. It is a second part of you that's so deep-rooted in me, like basketball. So I could never try to teach that in a different language because I've never done it before. But luckily, the kids help each other. And I go slow Mm -hmm. to explain different things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I told her right away, yes, I can help. I really want to. But I'm just, there's no way I'm going to even try to do it in Norwegian. So. Um, but it's been fine. The kids are very, very well uh, asked me if they need help or sure. they talk with each other if one doesn't understand. So sure. big. if they were little, like if they were five, six years old, I probably would have said no. I don't think I can help. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's going good. I'm happy to do this. <laughs> How long have you been here in Norway? I moved here in 2011 permanently. Okay. But the first time I came here was in 2010. Okay. Yeah. And you're enjoying, you're, you're enjoying yourself all as well. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's harder. I think now is the older, the older my kids get, the harder it is. I think because my family sees them pretty often, I would say a few times a year, but 
they don't have that time to build a relationship with my family because we live so far away. So it, I don't know. It doesn't get any easier. Now, I, I know we're kind of stepping away from the sports and athletics issue, uh, but but here's something that's very interesting. Um, how do you deal with that thing, that that new occurrence, that new thing in your life that you have to deal with when you realize for each day that passes that your children may be losing more and more of their Americanness, or at least losing that connection that they have with family back home? Is that an issue for you? And if it is, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, it's always an issue. I think what I do every day is just make sure that they speak English. Like, they've done that since they were babies. So now that they're six and eight, they know, like, if they're going to talk to me or when I'm around, it's going to be in English. And if I hear them speak Norwegian to each other, I'll just yell from the other room English, and they'll (laughs) switch right away. So I always just make sure that's, like, a must for me that they – get the language down perfectly and we read books and everything like that in English so they can at least learn that too but it's really hard to be so far away from America and try to hold any sort of American roots (laughs) at all um and then when I'm really just like I'm, I'm sick of it I need a break then we just book a trip to the U.S. Yeah, you know, and I tell people, you know, I I am a sufferer, longtime sufferer of homesickness, but it really boils down to just buying a plane ticket. And, 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 you know, and you have this, uh, you know, with your stops and turnovers, you might have up to 10, 12 hours of flying time, but you come home and you can reconnect and you can Mm -hmm. get that, uh, you can charge that battery with all things American. Um, But that's, us as adults, I feel it's almost a sense of guilt that my children, I don't know, it's, it's not enough that we can just take a flight home once a year or once every two years. I feel like they're, they're, they're missing out on some, I know, it's, a, it's a personal struggle, but it's a, it's a common struggle for, for those of us who are expats here in Norway from the States. When I was, you know, before my husband and I had any kids, I was, I always we don't have conversations about, you know, how is this going to go when we have kids, you live from, you know, it's not just two different countries, but it's two different continents and it's really far, it's expensive and there's a whole lot of factors. So one thing I've always said, which I am still saying to this day that when my kids get, you know, around 13, 14 years old, I want them to live in the U S for high school and get at least that experience. Right now they're in elementary school. I don't care that much. Um, but when they get older, it's just not going to be an option for me for them to live here and just never get that because yeah. if they want to go to college someday, they're going to have to do it in Norway where it's like free. Where it's so free. <laughs> they're going to get that uh, American, you know, just upbringing, at least a little bit of it. It's going to be in high school. Um, yeah. For a few yeah. Years. I have very similar thoughts uh, when it comes to our kids. Uh, Snoopy and I's kids are 15 and 13. And uh, for our daughter, who's 15 now, you know, we're kind of thinking, okay, within the next year or two, uh, it would be great to have her doing some sort of exchange program going to high school back in the States. And then the same situation will come in a couple of years for our son. It's Mm -hmm. uh, something that I feel they have to do so that they can taste that real Americanness. Uh, you know, they get that for me. Oh, well, I, I, you know, I, they are American too. So yes, I think absolutely. It'll be, absolutely. I think they would appreciate it when they get a little older. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so we, we, we kind of stepped away from the athletics and stuff. But back, back to sports and athletics. You Now, you have an athletic background yourself. Um, what, what, what sports did you uh, involve yourself in back in high school? In high school specifically, um, I was a three-sport athlete, which is the most they would let you do. So there was volleyball in the fall, basketball in the winter, and golf in the spring. But growing up, you know, my dad – had three daughters and he is like, you know, he went to college for football and he super good baseball player. Like he's a stud athlete. So he could have appreciated a son, I think, but uh, he got got daughters. So um, he always had me in everything and anything, Um, you know, softball. Once I got to high school level, I dropped softball because I couldn't, I'd have to choose volleyball or softball. So I did that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was always very active in athletics and it was like, um, it meant something different to me back in the nineties, early two thousands, you know, than probably maybe some people have here. I don't know. Cause you know, it was hard growing up in the nineties in Colorado and um, in the U S probably for a lot of people times were different back then. And sports was really something that I knew I could fall back on in hard times that I always was going to be busy with sports and have my friends there and all that. Now, now you say it was hard. It was hard growing up in the nineties in Colorado. How so? What was, what was difficult about it? Well, you know, in the, where I grew up, what, what part of Colorado? Um, Southwestern Colorado. Okay. Montrose it's called, you know, it, it's a small town. It's like 20,000 people, which is small for, you know, really anywhere. So, um, you know, I had two parents that worked two jobs full time and, My mom worked at a bank and the hours are like, it was like eight to five, you know, pretty long days. And, um, my dad also worked. And when I was nine, they got divorced. So I chose to live with my dad full time. And it was a struggle being with a single dad, being so young, taking on a lot of responsibility and all that. But, um, we always had our sports. My dad and I connected through that very well. Um, even still. So he's probably still the only person that can beat me in basketball. (laughs) (laughs) So he was someone I could always look up to when it came to athletics and in sports. And it really does teach you something. If you have, he was my basketball coach until I got to high school. And, um, you know, if you have a good coach, um, and I think for my dad, he was the best coach I've ever had because he was very, very hard on me. Yeah. And yes. that's a good thing. I appreciate that very much now, which is something how I feel like um, maybe my kids don't get that part of the American experience with being involved in sports here. Yes, it's quite different. You know, I, I can relate to what you're saying about that uh, uh, discipline that was demanded uh, by the coach. Um I am uh, I'm Facebook friends with uh, pretty much all of my high school football coaches. I was also a, a multi-sport uh, athlete, but football mm-hmm. is what I excelled in. I actually got a scholarship and played in in college. Um, but I I and I always give a shout out to my coaches. So shout out to my coaches, uh, Norton High School, the Panthers, uh, Coach Data, Coach Loro, and the head coach Sailor. Um, those guys demanded, I mean, it was, it was a daily occurrence that they would be in 
several team members face. You know, I can just see it. They grab hold of the face mask, pull the helmet, and they're right in, you know, nose to nose, yelling, screaming, cursing a little bit. Uh, that wouldn't fly here in Norway. Um, Never. It doesn't fly here in Norway. I've seen it. Um, no. If I go back just a couple, three years, when my son, uh, when we moved down south here to Drummond and my son started playing soccer, um, I can remember being shocked at how silent and distant the coaches were. They did not mm-hmm. coach. They were pretty much no. just babysitting the kids. They don't coach. Right. They don't correct. They don't, they, they barely encourage them. They're kind of just there. And there was yeah. no, I, I saw no guidance. I saw no coaching. So here you are now an American athlete with your athletic background, with that style of, of uh, firm uh, coaching that you're used to, what kind of adjustments have you had to make? I'm going to just assume that you've made some adjustments now as a coach, now as a coach for Norwegians. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little different because I think if the team I was helping with, like were at a different level than they are, I would be harder. Um, you know, now it's, I kind of can't because they really don't know the sport. So I can't get too mad if they mess up when we had to go back to teaching layups and how to dribble just completely back to the basics. So, um, I obviously, I don't like if they're messing around, I will be strict with things like that if they're not listening or if they're messing around, but as far as just being how I would be as a normal coach, I, I just have to pull myself back and remind myself they're beginner <laughs> beginners. I can't, yeah. I can't be too hard on them. Um, but I'm not, I think the kids that want it, and we've definitely had some kids who have stopped coming and that's fine for whatever sure. reason. Maybe they didn't like it. Maybe there's too many people. I don't know, but that's fine with me. If there was 10 people, that's perfect. That's a team right there. I don't need 30. Yeah. Um, but right now it's just, I want everyone to have fun. Yeah. Learn and eventually it'll it'll get to a different level. But yeah, it's But eventually um, in in another year or two when you have this this um this generation, if you will, of of these players on your team as they gain skills, will you then raise up your expectations when it comes to discipline, when it comes to how much effort they put into their training? I think I would now if I could have a smaller group, like if I didn't have to help 30 kids, I could focus on 10. Well, you're not the that only coach. Are you? Aren't there other coaches or? Um, there sometimes have been a, another, a, another guy who's been there to help a little bit. Cause we had to split the, the group, you know, 15 yeah. here, 15 here by age and still like, but the kids are very interested. Like, how is it in the U S how do you do it in the U S and I told them growing up playing competitively, you're a team of 10, maybe 12, 12 is even a little too much, but 10. And then you will have three coaches. So I said, trying to teach them offense and defense. It's and, a handful. I mean, it's hard. And we only practice once a week, you know, for an hour and a half. So it's really not that much to make an impact. If you could so, have it your way, how many times a week would you practice with them? I would do it like we would do it back home, like have a basketball season. Talk right? about so talk about like, how talk about how they do things here. You and I know, but a lot of our American listeners 
uh, or, or non-Norwegian listeners have no clue how Norwegian youth athletics is set up. And I just roll my eyes and shake my head uh, every time this issue comes up. But tell us, tell my listeners, what does, how do things work as far as how often they practice and what's expected of them? And in when, the US? when, no, here, here in Norway, talk, talk about how things are here, here in Norway. Norway. Oh, well, I mean, it's basically like, um, I feel it's a little more like an open gym concept, you know, come once a week if you want to. And, mm. you know, if you come, that's great. You can try your hardest or not at all, but we're just happy to have you kind of attitude. Yeah. <laughs> just drives me my kids, my, my son, he's eight. He's been doing Taekwondo which he's really into because if there was karate or wrestling, I, I would put him in wrestling right away, but there isn't that option where we live. The nearest one is like an hour and a half away. So, you know, Taekwondo is what we have here, but it's once a week. And I'm like, this is not enough. <laughs> you know, I that if it was a little bit more, okay, we're going to do at least three times a week. That's fine. I think that would be okay for that young of kids. But yeah, it's uh, it's hard because you really can't build on any skill for one and a half hours a week. Well, not only can they not build on their skill, uh, I question how they can truly build an interest for the sport when it's only once a week. Because uh, here in Norway, they have, I mean, it's, it's in Norway, it's participation trophy to the max. I mean, not only do they get par- participation mm-hmm. trophies where there's absolutely no focus or emphasis on performance. They, you know, if you take it down to the to practice level, you know, to training, you're just supposed to go and have fun. And my my statement against that is if you're just having fun at a new activity and you're not exerting yourself because exertion means discomfort and discomfort Mm -hmm. is not always fun. It's the results of discomfort that are fun. Right. So Mm -hmm. if they don't demand that these kids push themselves and try to be as good as they can, I believe they're doing these kids a disservice because these kids are missing out on a huge element of the concept of enjoyment. Yeah. You agree? I agree. You agree? Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, my kids were skiing a week ago and they got a participation award or a trophy. It was, it was a full blown trophy. And I really, I mean, they've they've gotten them before when they were younger, doing different things. Okay, whatever bothered me, but I didn't think too much of it. But now that they're six and eight, they get these trophies for participating in a a little downhill ski thing. They both sucked. They didn't go fast. They didn't, (laughs) you know, like they were just there. So I was like, I know we're going to give this back or not give it back, but we're just not going to give this any attention because. They're at the age now where they really believe that they're the best. They think that they're the best because they have a trophy. Look, mom, I, I won. And I'm like, you didn't win anything. That is good parenting. I love hearing that. Yeah, uh, I'm giving you a virtual high five right now. That's what I did with, my, that's what I do with my kids. Um, when they would come home with a trophy and I had been there, I had seen what they did and didn't do. I made sure I told them. You didn't get mm-hmm. this trophy because you excelled or because you did well. You got it because everybody gets one. Yeah. So I made sure that they understood that. And I know there's some listeners, especially Norwegian listeners, but maybe even some non-Norwegian listeners who think I'm out of line for doing that. Um Sorry, I don't care. People can do what they want with their kids, but I want my kids to understand. And you're and a child is never too young to understand the concept of uh, the benefits of discipline, the benefits of exertion, 
and what it means to truly put yourself into something that you're doing and you, and you want to do it well. I just think like after they got that last week, they think that they won and they're the best and you know, that no one's better than them. And, but I'm like, well, you're wrong. First of all, it just makes them not try harder because they already think that they won. And I'm like, well, you need to try. You need to, every time you go skiing or whatever you're doing, you need to get better every time. And there are people, I know this is very not common or popular in Norway. You know, no one wants to think that they're better than anyone else. And I, I get it, but I don't get it because there are people always better than us at something, which is a good thing. Yeah, I don't I don't get it at all. I won't I won't even I won't give them that much because I just don't get that at all. Because to, to teach kids to teach kids that concept is so removed from realities of from the reality of life. You're doing them. Uh, these people are doing them a disservice. Uh, I am a true believer in, you know, you have to be aware you have to have a certain amount of self-awareness. You have to know what you're good at and you have to know what you're bad at. And that's going to make life more comfortable for you if you're, if you have that self-awareness, but they're, they're Mm -hmm. teaching this generation and and maybe the generation before then as well uh, here in Norway, that you don't have to have that self-awareness. And I, 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 I wonder, and I worry what that's going to do with society over here. I'm a little worried too. I think worry is a good word to use because I was thinking about it, you know, last week and just everything that I've gone through in my life, I would never want my kids to go through. You always want better for your children than you had. And that's a good thing, but I am the person I am because of my struggles and it made me a stronger person. And I just think if my kids don't learn that like grittiness, you know, to like really just have a hard time when it's hard and learn how it feel, how good it feels when you success, like succeed at something. I just feel like that's kind of not an emphasis. Well, it's healthy. Struggle is healthy. Um, struggle, uh, conflict, uh, you know, these big tasks that seem too big, but we actually meet, you know, meet our goals and, 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 and succeed in spite of the largeness of, of that task before us, that leads to growth. It leads to, um, yeah, it's all, about, again, it's all about self-awareness, knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at and to take away that awareness. And that's what a lot of parents are doing. That's what a lot of the, the, the different systems in society are doing. They're taking away a child's ability to have self-awareness and that, that can't be healthy. I say the opposite. Struggle is healthy. Uh, winning and losing is healthy. Um, I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think it's very healthy to lose. I think it's very healthy to not win. And okay. Like, what are you going to do when you lose? You're going to try harder. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, you're not going to get any better. And I think that's fine. It might work for some families in Norway, some parents or whatever, but for me and my family and how I grew up, like it's a problem. Well, well, now this is, this is how you grew up and this is your thoughts, but you do have a Norwegian husband. What does he say about these things? Yeah, he doesn't say too much. I think he agrees. He, he's not like a typical Norwegian. I think maybe because he, he studied in the U S in college, which is Ah, that's how we did that when we are abroad. And, Obviously, he's been with me for 11 years, so yeah, yeah. he doesn't quite think, and just like a Norwegian, he's we're very similar in our parenting, which is great. Yeah, It's really good. I think he's on the same level. He, I think for as far as the participation awards go, he might be more okay with it than I am, but... Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, Snoopy and I were together for six years before we had our first kid. So we we talked about all of this stuff for those six years Mm -hmm. so that, you know, we kind of hit the ground running and we were pretty much in a symbiotic uh, thought process. So it's never been an issue. But I could imagine uh, that being at least something to discuss over the dinner table between some uh, American Norwegian couples. But uh, it's good to not have to have that discussion. It's good to be... He's very much the same that he also believes that you should work for what you have. It's not just a given that you're going to get good things by not working hard. So he is a believer in that, which is good. So yeah, at least. Is he from, is he from Updal? Is that why you live in Updal now? Yeah. Yeah. He's from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my wife is a fish out of water. She's um, well, no, not totally. She grew up for the most part about uh, thirty kilometers away from here, but she also has roots up in Finnmark. So she's she's got a different way of thinking than a lot of the people down here. And, and believe me, it's refreshing. I, I married the right woman to say to say it mildly. <laughs> oh, shut out! <laughs> now, so. Tell me, um, how, what level of success or how, you know, how well did you excel in sports when you were active in team sports? Were you just a middle of the road well, athlete I, or were you a, a, a touch above? Yeah. For when it came to basketball, I was good. I had many knee injuries uh, that plagued my high school career. So my last season actually in practice, my kneecap popped out of place. Yeah. So I ended up having a surgery um, that winter and then that just ended my basketball career. But then I I focused on golf um, after that because golf is obviously not too hard on the knees. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and now I still, it's still something that I play as an adult um, always when I go back home, if I can join a league, even just temporarily while I'm there, I always play and it's always me and the guys. It was always me and the guys and which is fine. Cause you're I'm talking a, about, you're talking about basketball now, right? Basketball or basketball, whatever, yeah. Basketball, anything. Yeah. But I just, I love, I love still being competitive and rough and tough and just feeling someone to like push up on. It's a good feeling yeah. a contact for it's good. And, um, yeah, so, and then that was it, you know, really, I moved to Norway when I was 19, so not too long after I was done with high school, I came here. Wow, so that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, hats off to you for being that brave, and I think brave is the right word to use. I was 30, 33, 33, I had just turned 33 when I came here, and it was rough. <laughs> I was very... Um, I, wasn't, I would not call me brave. Um, I call you brave. I would say naive. That was probably a better word. Okay. Well, okay. So naive. If 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 you are naive in coming here, then that means, or can I say that it means, or can I ask if it means then that you ran into some surprises after you got here, things that you didn't know were you were going to be faced with? Is that... I think when you're that young, you just think, oh, wow, Europe, we're going to go to Europe. Oh, my God. And, you know, like you don't have even really any sense of 
where Norway even is in Europe. You just know it's Europe. You know, so I think I was just so excited to go and travel and be young and experience something. And then, you know, and then after we get married and we, you know, had our first son, then I started thinking like, okay, what am I doing here? (laughs) Then you start thinking about life. Like, well, this, you don't really think about those choices. When I was 19, I just got on a plane and came here, but I didn't really think about one year, you know, or two or three, four years from now, how's it going to be? You just kind of live in the moment when you're that young. Um, See that, that, but to me, that's bravery. I I guess if I think back to when I was 19, uh, I barely had the guts to go away to college on my football scholarship. uh, And it was like two and a half, three hours away that was mm-hmm. such a huge task for me to leave home and start that process. I couldn't imagine, you know, you're saying when you were 19, you're thinking, oh, cool, Norway or Europe? Yeah, let's go. I would be thinking, oh, my God, Europe? Oof, no. <laughs> so I kind of, I was very, um, I guess I was naive, but in a different way. Me being naive brought on my fear of big changes uh, at, at that time. And then to come here, cause see, I, again, I was 33. I'd already had a great career that had gotten started, uh, as a police officer, a narcotics detective, um, doing quite well with that. And then all of a sudden I'm faced with this other thing called moving to Norway. And it was, <laughs> it was, I don't know. So I, I, I call you brave. I don't think they're, uh, I mean, you know, it's just, I don't, obviously I don't have any regrets doing it, but I think for my children, when they are 19, 20, thinking about different things, at least I can help them a little bit to think about uh, a little bit long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. And, um, yeah, it's fine. It just, it brought a whole new life than I could have ever imagined. (coughs) Do you think you're better off? Do you think, let me ask you this. Here's a good question from a uh, struggling podcast host. I come up with good questions every once in a while. Um, do you think you're better off living here in Norway than you would be if you were back home in Colorado? Like right now? No, I don't think so. Really? Right now, I don't think me personally am better off here than there. But I think maybe as a whole family, as a unit, probably. That's an interesting distinction. Why why, why, just fill out that answer. Explain that answer. Let's just, you know, cause I think my husband's from Norway. He, he has a master's degree. He's worked here. My children are Norwegian and I, I'm this, you know, I'm not from here. I'm an immigrant or whatever you want to call me. I'm a little bit different. And I've always struggled with finding, you know, friends and finding people I click with and finding a good job like a a permanent job, you know, getting a job, even if you do have an American education, it's not easy here because everyone has degrees. Everyone has like three or four and they're from here. And of course they're going to probably hire a Norwegian before they hire an immigrant who struggles with the language. And also a lot of jobs will require you to redo that bachelor's or that master's or even that doctorate. They won't accept the American credentials. No, they won't. So I was, you know, I, I think I would do better in my own country. Yes. But I think my husband does fine. My kids are fine. So I'm just hanging on till they get a little older, till they get to high school. And I'm like, let's move back. <laughs> let's do this. You know, <laughs> gonna- 
if if Snoopy had gotten her way, here's one of the battles, the few battles that she has lost and I have won. She wanted to move back in the States, like really, really wanted to move back maybe 10, 12 years ago. And and I convinced her to kind of hold out and let's let's just keep this Norwegian adventure going. Um, mm-hmm. And it always amazes me that that was the situation. I would think that me being away from my home, I would be the one that would want to go back, but no, it was her. And now, now I don't want to say that I want to go back now because I don't, but I, I have this constant weight of homesickness that is on me. You, I can't describe how much I enjoy when my podcast guest is an American it's like it's like medicine for my soul because it it just it just renews that connection. I get to speak, uh, uh, you know, English and hear un, hear uh, yeah and hear unaccented English back and and share you know some commonalities that we have and talk about our individual experiences. It's 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 medicine for my soul and it cures that homesickness in the moment. Um, yeah. Are you are you are you homesick? It sounds it sounds like you could yeah. if you if you could go back now and take the family with you it sounds like maybe you would do that. I probably would. Yes. Yeah. If I if I could I would. But it's different to visit the US now because you know we don't own a home so we're it's yeah. not like we're home. And you've been back and you've been back recently since the COVID uh uh pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was back in October. Yeah, I came back. So Obviously, for us, the borders are open for American citizens, yeah. and we have Norwegian passports too, so we can go back and forth. But when we're when we're going back, it's not quite a vacation. No, but it's not quite being home either. So even though we're there, I There you are. Sorry, I or I shouldn't apologize. It's just a weak internet connection somewhere. Uh, but now you're back. Okay, you you were saying now um, about when you're when you go back home, it's like this in between thing. It's not quite a vacation, but you don't feel like you're just a visitor. Yeah. What, yeah? Well, you probably might feel the same way. Even yeah. though I, I'll stay with my mom and my grandpa and my dad and whoever, it's not our own space and it's not our own yeah. home and. Do you notice that, uh, or do you feel like things have changed uh, every time I go back? Well, first of all, I have to say, I haven't been back home often enough. There was a period when I was running, um, I, I used to own, uh, three gyms that I started up North and there was like a mm-hmm. seven, almost an eight year period where I didn't go home because I was so busy doing that. And then I went home after like seven or eight years. And I felt like, I felt like I had time traveled everyone else had moved on and I was left behind because things just seemed a little bit out of whack, a little off kilter, everything. Yeah. Just seemed, and then in a couple of times since that, uh, that, that long period of not going home, every time I've gone back, I feel more and more left behind and it's, it's depressing. It's like, this yeah. is my, this is my country. This is my hometown. These are my people. Why do I feel like this? Strange. No, when I go back to where I grew up, I feel like nothing has changed. Oh, <laughs> like, you're so lucky. That's so good. That's that's what you experience. Yeah, that's good. 
necessarily a good thing, but everyone is the same and not too much changes. But my mom has moved to Orlando this past summer, so uh, we'll be splitting our time between Florida and Colorado, and uh, I'm just so excited for that. Because, like I said, I'm from a small town, and then now I live in a town of 6,000 people, which is even smaller. (laughs) So go to somewhere like Orlando where there's just – there's how many, 23 million people in the state of Florida. Like no one knows me. It's just, it's so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And don't have to worry about other people just focus on ourselves. Well, I'm from small town, Ohio. And when we, when we used to live up North, up in Finnmark, uh, it was easy to adjust to because I felt like there was no adjustment to be made. You know, the Mm -hmm. rural aspects of it, the laid back lifestyle and everything, it just, it really fit. So that yeah. coming into uh, into a city, uh, like here here in Drummond, I think it, uh, there's like maybe fifty five, sixty thousand people here. I think it's too big. I feel like I'm drowning <laughs> in people because I'm just not used to that. I'm used to used to small town life. I think I would fit in well. I, I would fit in well in Updal. Yeah, yeah, probably. You can come visit. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I'm skiing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I Norwegians—they're pretty good at keeping distance from people despite Corona. I mean, even before. So when I've been in a big city, we, we lived in Trondheim for a period of time. We lived in Stavanger, which is obviously bigger than what we have now. It's a city. Um, I didn't feel like it was that big though. Yeah. Stavanger, I believe, isn't that the, it's a third or is it the fourth? Yeah. Stavanger is smaller than Trondheim, isn't it? The largest city is Oslo. Second largest is Bergen. And then I believe Trondheim and then Stavanger. Uh, but for a major city in Norway, Stavanger is very small. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but now I'm, I'm used to it now because when we get cabin people here yeah, yeah. for the weekend or whatever, and the stores are jam packed, I can't handle it. I'm like, yeah. I'm not waiting to buy some milk. <laughs> so you really feel it. But uh, oh, it's, it's good. I think, um, I think the whole Norwegian life, it's good for the family. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. For the it kids. It's just, it's just a different system. The school systems are completely different. And just, just everything is a little bit different than what we're used to. Um, I used to, I can remember when our kids started school here and, you know, started getting involved in school and after school activities, sports and all that stuff. Uh, it would be an almost daily uh, venting between both me and my wife. It wasn't just me. It was her also just just ranting about how screwed up and inefficient things were. One of the biggest mm-hmm. things that we used to rant about is the need or the burden that our kids athletic activity put on us because here in Norway, and I kind of wanted to get a, get uh, you know touch on this a little bit about another difference between youth athletics here in Norway compared to back home in the states is that it's not connected to the school. You know, back home in the states, right. we would go to school until two thirty, three o'clock, and then we would go to the locker room right away, change into our football uniform, and then out on the field to practice. And then when we were done, because it was such a small town, we could ride a bike or. Because you can drive when you're 16, you can jump in the car, your own car or your buddy's car and mm-hmm. you're home. Well, you just can't do that here because it's not connected to the school. It's in some, it right. could be at some field that's maybe, you know, 10, 15 miles away from where you live. And God forbid, if it's a league sport and you have, they may, maybe they have to try. We've had actually um, uh, f- soccer tournaments that our son 
was supposed to be, and that was way up in Yailo, which is like a two and a half hour drive from where we live. So there's that mm. logistics thing that falls that falls upon yeah. the parents here in Norway. Um, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. It's a crazy I, system. I loved, I, I loved growing up. I mean, I think it's the same throughout the whole U.S. Maybe it's not, but at least in Colorado, you know, the sports connected with the school didn't start until sixth grade, which was our first year in middle school. Yeah. Before, when it's in elementary school, then it's more just like rec league. Sure, but sure. from sixth grade on, from middle school on, um, I mean, I was so bad. I was a bad student. I <laughs> terrible. I had bad grades. And I think that was a good motivation for me to stay in sports because once you're in a sport, you have to do good. You have to get good grades to be able to play, but it also takes you out of school. If you have a game, you can leave early, which was bonus for me. Um, and you know, I think when you have stuff like that in middle school and high school, especially sports, you get a sense of, um, like school pride, right? Sure. Absolutely. You, you want to do good because you're representing your school. And I think that's a good thing that they don't really necessarily have here yeah. um, because they don't have that with the school. But I, I think that that's such a good, healthy thing. If you're, I was in band too. I played the trumpet. So I did is I did everything. There's a whole social aspect, a whole social aspect that we had back, that we have back in the States that's connected to school and athletics that's mm-hmm. missing here in, in Norway. I mean, kids yeah. have their friends, they have their little cliques and whatnot, but I just, I don't know. I guess they're not missing what they don't know, but us, yeah, I think that's what but, it is. But we, but we as Americans <laughs> who have, yeah, we know, we know. And again, that go that ties back into that. It's it's almost a feeling of guilt that I have that my kids aren't experiencing certain American things, and that's why it's so important that uh, mm-hmm. we somehow make it work that they can go back there. And, and and take a year of high school. Take that last that senior year in an American high school. Although that scares me too, because I think my kids are so innocent and and naive. We talked about being naive. They are naive, and I'm afraid they would get eaten alive. I'm afraid they'll be like a tiny little guppy in a sea of sharks. Oh no, they'll be. <laughs> oh God, I hope so. Oh. <laughs> It'll make them stronger. No. Well, yeah, we talked about challenges. Don't we want our kids to have challenges? Yeah. Don't we want this? This is what we're talking about here now. Oh gosh, I'm eating my words now. Oh, <laughs> gosh. What What are some of the What are the some of the lessons that you learned as a athlete that you carry with you to this day? Well, I think a lot of it is work ethic. You know, I've definitely been in situations not just in sports, but in life, when you really feel like you want to quit, you really just feel like, okay, I think it's just, it's just too hard. And, but then I have that down in me, my work ethic that it tells me not to quit and I don't. And I think if I didn't have that throughout my whole life, I probably would have quit at many different things a long time ago. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. I think that's probably something that, I want to instill in my kids is just working hard and being determined. And it's not something that's just necessarily learned so easy. It's kind of grown, you know, if you start with it when you're small, it'll grow with you. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that work ethic, I tell you, for for me, the work ethic and the discipline that I have today, it has its roots in 
in ath- athletics, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, from like eighth grade on. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I, le- I learned, you know, if, if I train hard, if I practice hard, you know, if I, if I run those hundred yard sprints in football practice, uh, and do those tire drills and everything, I'll be, I will be a better running back. And then I, I had a tangible, uh, payoff, you know, which was my college scholarship. And then mm-hmm. all of that just bled into my time in the U S Marines, which then built upon that whole idea of working hard and being disciplined and then getting the payoff from it, which then bled into my civilian life as a police officer, which then bled into my life here in Norway. So it's all about focus. It's all about discipline. It's all about not being afraid to sweat. It's not only you shouldn't be afraid to sweat. I seek the sweat. I look Mm -hmm. for that challenge because I know I'm going to grow from it. Yeah. Right. Right. But some people, I think, especially that aren't used to that kind of pressure, they break when things get hard and I don't want my sons to be those kind of people. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I've, I've put pressure. Yeah. I've, I have a self-imposed task that I will, I'm, I'm, I'm trying so hard. I'm not trying, I'm doing, I am teaching my children, uh, that concept of seek the sweat, you know, uh, mm-hmm. be aware again, be aware of what you can do well and what you cannot do well. And then those things that you can't do well, if you want to do them well, don't run from that. Try and find mm-hmm. situations that you can put yourself in so that you can tackle that weakness and turn it into something that actually benefits you. So seek the sweat. Right. That's, uh, that's something that I'm, that I'm actively teaching to my kids now. Yeah. yeah. And it all comes from athletics. The whole idea of it comes from my my childhood with athletics. Well, and, you know, you still shout out your old coaches. So obviously they've had a great impact on your life. And you're very appreciative of that. Absolutely. I can remember my my high school football coach, Dale Saylor. He puts, I, I mean, I can still hear his voice and see the look in his eyes with certain catchphrases uh, that he used to, to, to motivate me, to berate me if I wasn't doing well. Um, it, it, it just, I don't know. I, I think kids are missing. And not every child has to be an athlete. I hope people don't misunderstand me. Not every child has to be an athlete or not every child that is an athlete has to be good. But... When it's so difficult to, to, to get into competitive athletics here in Norway, athletics are here, but they're not very competitive. And I think that aspect of competitiveness would do these kids well if it was in place here in Norway. I think they're missing something. I don't know. Maybe it's because the country is so small. There are definitely really amazing athletes that have sure. come from Norway. Sure. Look at all the skiers. Yeah, Look at the skiers. How many of these? Yeah, look yeah, at the skiers, the handball many, team, the ladies' handball team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there there are definitely good athletes that come from here. But what was I going to say? I think, like, I don't want to offend a nation here. But, uh, <laughs> There's a lot more of them. With, I can help you with three or four of them. But uh, after that, you're on your own. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a different concept from when – from when, like, we're, when we were small in America, we were just, we're normal people. Maybe you're more normal. You're, I mean, you're, I'm normal compared to you. You're a Marine, you're a college football player, you're way up there. I'm just a normal mom, right? But I'm, I still learned what I learned 
through athletics when I was small in America, and it taught me a lot about life. And I don't want my kids to lose that by not experiencing that in Norway, if you know what I mean. I do. I do know what you mean, but I have to correct you like, on something. I'm sorry. What did you say? I didn't hear that. I was, I was going to say, the women in Norway, they're very good, but they're older, right? They're, yeah. they're older people who chose this life. Yeah, yeah. They probably worked hard as they got older since they were five. Well, I but, I, um, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're I agree with what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I have to correct you on one thing. I'm a normal guy too. I've just been incredibly blessed. I've done some really cool stuff. I'm doing some really cool stuff. Uh, I'm I'm just I've been quite fortunate to be able to do things that I'm interested in. That that I don't think that makes me any less normal than, than anybody else. I'm just a normal guy. You're like, you're like, yeah, you're the Hulk. I think (laughs) you have a little bit more than, (laughs) uh, but, uh, well, well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm quite blessed. Couldn't do it without uh, a little bit of luck along the way. And I will say this, I'm extremely driven. Uh, but again, this comes from mm-hmm. my, see, when I was a kid, <clears throat> especially in my high school years, like from middle school, from eighth grade on, I was extremely depressed, felt like I just mm-hmm. didn't belong. I, I didn't fit in. Um, doesn't matter how I portrayed myself to be inside. I was depressed and I felt like I didn't belong. And what saved me, what kept me going was sports. I took out that frustration and that loneliness and I put it on the football field or I put it on the track or I put it on the basketball court. I also wrestled for a while. I put it there and it drove me to success. So it put me in a position where I was wide open for everything positive that one could get from athletics you know what I mean? Because it meant so much to me. It's, it's what kept, it's literally what kept me going. I hated yeah. going to school. I hated the, the, I was so uncomfortable in the social that, that had to do with the social aspects. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons for it. There's a, a lot of podcasts I've done about that, but that was the situation and it was athletics that got me through all of that. So it's, it, it's, it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I think there's a delay. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Finish, please. <laughs> no, there. Yeah, there is a delay. I think one of us just has a bad internet, but we're we're marching forward. No, it, it's just uh, I don't I don't know what my point was going to be, but 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 um, it was it was it was sports. It was athletics, especially football, that carried me through all those difficult years. So, of course, being being in that situation and being quite aware how much uh, uh, football and athletics in general meant to me. I, I let my, I allowed my, I wasn't this, uh, you know, a lot of kids can be stubborn. A lot of kids can be like, oh, these adults, they don't know what they're doing. And that's going to get in the way of their coachability. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any of that stuff in the way. I was wide open to be taught and to learn my lessons through sports so that I could be as good as I could be so that I could be happier during those, you know, high school years. So yeah. I, I, I was lucky. I was, in a way, my misery was to my to my fortune. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think it's, I think we're both very blessed to be able to have that athletic background that's kept with us forever. Cause not everyone does that. Like you said before, not everyone likes sports or athletics and they don't have to. No. There's plenty of things in life to find that 
to do that doesn't involve sports. But I think I really miss in the U.S. just there's so much more options for so many different sports than they have here that I wish would come here, but I don't think would, like baseball and softball. I know there are some small groups, maybe in Oslo, but it's not the same when you're five, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. It's just hard here, I think. Yeah. And maybe it's just because this country, it's, it's population is small and the country is so spread out, but there's just so many other things um, well, offers that they don't hear. And it's hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have this, this traditional uh, interest uh, in soccer, this traditional interest in skiing and in handball that's so embedded in their society. I mean, it's, it's, it's a rallying point for the Norwegian culture. Those three mm-hmm. sports right there, that sports that we know, like football or, or baseball or basketball, we're just not going to get in that inner circle. You know what I mean? No. Uh, unfortunately, because I think football is the greatest sport in the world. And I think it's a shame that more Norwegians don't know about it. But again, they don't know what they're not missing. It's they have no tradition for those sports. So I, I understand it. I do. I don't like it. I can't stand. I get. I think it's boring. I think it's boring. It's boring to to watch on TV. But um, hey, we live in Norway. <laughs> oh yeah. For like five minutes of this conversation, I totally forgot that we were in Norway, which was great. <laughs> See, there you go. And that's why I'm talking. It's a cure for my homesickness. <laughs> for therapy, I get it. We'll have to have more conversations because it's so nice. <laughs> Um, one last question before I let you go. Where do you see the basketball program in Updal in five years? Well, I hope it grows. Obviously, I hope that some more parents or coaches, people who understand the game, will come out and help coach because it's very hard to teach a sport in general, but they're older kids, so they understand yeah. a lot faster than a five-year-old. Um, and I just think it'd be, it'd be great to have several teams of different ages and be able to go play, you know, the neighboring towns. I know not every neighboring town has a basketball team. I think the nearest is in Trondheim, which is like an hour and a half from here, but just for the kids to be able to go experience that, go play a game against someone else, I think would be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we're in COVID time, so I don't foresee that happening anytime soon, but, um, Hopefully this year at some point when things cool down a little bit, we can at least get a little uh, scrimmage game going. You know, I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I think that we are going to be under the shadow of COVID for the entirety of 2021. I just, I agree. I yeah, think so. yeah, I don't think it's going to be much different in six or eight or nine months than it is no. now. Yeah. But, but, but having said that, I think that Norway is doing quite well. There's relatively few deaths. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. relatively few people, even though it has been raising up over the last couple of months, there's relatively few people who are getting infected. And and I don't know about up in Updal, but down here, people are complying with the masking and, you know, using the, the hand disinfectant and, and kind of socially distancing. How are people reacting up there? Are they following the rules? Yeah, I mean, there aren't two strict rules. We don't have to wear masks. It's okay. not a requirement okay. to go into the stores. But I kind of don't understand because Optal has, like, so many cabins. 
So on a weekend like now, the sun is shining, the weather's good. There are so many cabin people coming here, um, which is great for the local economy. But when you think about the coronavirus, um, how many more people are going in grocery shopping? And I work at the nursing home here, so I have to be careful where I go and who I'm with and and all that. So I don't take that into the nursing home because that'd be bad. But um, so I, I really, I don't understand all of the rules um, how maybe in the city you have to wear a mask, but if you come up here, you don't. Cause yeah, that's a little weird. It's a little strange. It's like make it a national thing or don't, yeah, yeah. you know, because people are going to be traveling. They're going to take the virus wherever they want. So I don't quite get it. But, yeah, I think people comply with whatever the rules are. Yeah. I would say well. here here in Drummond, about nine and a half out of ten people that I see out and about are wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. So they they seem to be taking it serious. Um and I think that's been key to to Norway having relatively low infection rates. Um, well, and honestly, I don't want to make this a long longer of a conversation, no, but no. Uh, I think in Norway it was an option for a lot of people to work from home. Yes, and who do who did lose their jobs, even if it was temporarily, did get help from Nav, which maybe people in Norway don't realize that in America, we didn't have that luxury to people that lost their jobs really didn't have money. Yeah. So with the spread of a virus, even more out of control. So I think Norway is very lucky. Yes. Have the systems that they do and the money that they have. And I think it's a great thing to be able to support a country. Um, the people. Norway is. Yeah. Norway is, is we are quite fortunate to be here. Uh, yeah. I think we can agree Norway has a shitty athletic system for kids, but <laughs> the social the, the social welfare system is quite good. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I agree. I agree. Screw the kids' athletics. Let's just uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a good system. It is. It is. It's very good. I'm very happy to be living in this country. Yeah, as as homesick as I am, I cannot say that I'm having a terrible time here because it is good. I, I you know, things are good here. Uh, yeah. It's just that underneath all of that, or maybe on top of all that, is a lot of homesickness. But it, but we are doing quite well here. So I I can't complain. I don't complain. I don't complain about being here. I just express I'm my home. Fun sometimes. I'm complaining sorry. Is a- but complaining is fun sometimes, especially during it's just to make them understand like, well, it is different. You know, yeah. if we were, oh, it's great. It is for, if we just pretended all the time, like we're happy, that'd be fake. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think I'm approaching it in a good way because I, I try not to be the one who wallows in negative thought. So I think yeah. I'm, I think I do the right thing when I express it this way. I say that I'm having a great time here in Norway and things are going well but I am extremely homesick. I'm just, that's fact. You know, there's nothing negative in that. Uh, I'm accepting the situation I'm in, but I'm also expressing how I truly feel, which is I'm incredibly homesick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not much of a complainer, but uh, I can't go (laughs) around and say everything is perfect in Norway all the time. No, But I don't complain about my problems to people. So yeah, Yeah. it's not, it's, yeah, it's not perfect here. Like we said, they got a crappy youth uh, athletic system. And there's some other thing. You know, I never say Norway is better or worse than the States. It is it is what it is. But my heart, yeah. my loyalties, uh, all of that is back home in my hometown in the States. But Norway is, Norway is cool. 
Norway is cool. I think sometimes people feel bad for me, especially with the Corona stuff happening in the U.S. right now. When I meet people that I know, they're like, how is it with your family? And like, they're super concerned. And I'm like, they're fine. We're yeah. fine. You know, like, I, I don't know if they think that everyone in the U.S. is poor and well, poverty and that. And I'm like, no, we're fine. Well, Not everyone like this. <laughs> well, a lot of people do think that here in Norway, and it surprises me. Uh, I, I get the same thing. Uh, here's one. A lot of people here in Norway, they assume that because I am black, that I just have had, I was almost a slave in the States, you know, and experienced just, you know, racism left and right and, and poverty and all this. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, let me tell you my story. It's not like that. You know, they have these, yeah, well, they have these Hollywood conceptions uh, I'm sorry, Hollywood mm. perceptions uh, of what things are like in the United States, or they have, uh, you know, they they watch one little snippet of the national news, which is showing a bad situation in the states, and then they just expand that to just encompass all of America. I think that's what happens. I'm sure you got a lot of questions about from Norwegians and stuff when you know the whole Black Lives Matter yeah. thing came yeah. about. Yeah, you're a black yeah. man from America, yeah. and oh my god. Are you safe when you go there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like like I say, they'll they'll take a they'll take an issue, and America has its issues. <laughs> we we know that, but but Norwegians will have a tendency to take. Well, here's a good example. I read on uh, on NRK on Facebook on the NRK page. Uh, NRK for those who don't know is the national uh, uh, one. Of, it's the national news channel, uh, both TV and radio. So on their Facebook page today, they were talking about the um, the insurrection at the Capitol building and someone commented under there and it was embarrassing because I know this person, I know this lady, she commented in all of these tens of thousands of comments. She commented, yes, uh, I read that the Chinese are at the Northern and Southern borders of the United States and they're just waiting to cross the border when things go crazy at the inauguration on the 20th. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Well, what it is, I can imagine what it is is Norwegians might read something crazy on Breitbart or something crazy on some, you know, on, uh, on, on, on some crazy right-wing blog, and they don't know how to filter what is conjecture versus what is fact versus what is conspiracy versus what is satire. So they'll take these snippets and they look at it as if it is fact. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah. Now, that's an extreme example. And then you can just imagine uh, all of the other misconceptions that they have, you know, that I've had it so horrible in the States because I'm a black man, that I've been poor in my family. I had a guy, get this, uh, and I, I'm going to let you go here in a minute, but I just want to share this. I had the father of one of our daughter's friends. This guy is an educated man. He's some kind of big time engineer. Um, mm -hmm. We were sitting, it was at a, uh, a Sutnamai, a 17th of May uh, celebration, the national holiday for Norway. And he was asking me questions. You know, this is the first time we had met. So he's asking me, yeah, you know, where are you from in the States? And, and you know, what brought you here? To, how did you guys come to, to, to come in Norway? So I'm telling him the story of my family. I said, yeah, I'm born and raised in Ohio, but my family uh, is, is originally from the South, from Tennessee and Kentucky. So a lot of the old people moved north after the war and then he says oh oh my gosh yeah i bet you they would rather move up north than stay down south and pick cotton 
And I, I, I'm like, oh my God, did this guy really say that? And he didn't smile. He wasn't joking. He, he and, and it, uh, the, 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 I don't know, the naive, I don't know. What do you call that? I mean, the, the ignorance was just amazing. Naive, I suppose. Oh my gosh. Hello, Norway. We love yeah. you. We love you, Norway. <laughs> we do love you, Norway. <laughs> This is just two Americans talking. <laughs> yeah, just two. Well, hey, we're no better. We think that all Norwegians walk around in wooden shoes and polar bears walk the streets. So, see, we have our preconceptions about Norway as well. <laughs> somewhere there is a Norwegian in wooden shoes, and somewhere in Norway there are polar bears. So, <laughs> well, hey, listen, I, I listen. I, I, good I, conversation. Now. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing uh, your experiences with uh, within Norwegian athletics and with your own athletic background. It was so good to talk to you. Um, thank you for curing my homesickness for the day. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Nice to talk with you, Danielle. Bye, everybody. Thank you and goodbye.